From our 901 Mission Street studios, you are listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. Welcome to the big event. Welcome back, Heather Knight. Hello. Welcome. Uh, we're doing a not a Muni podcast, but it's Muni related. It's a spinoff of Total Muni. Spinoff of Total Muni. And we have Will Durst, one of our celebrity drivers, coming up. Um, driver for Total Muni, but he's also got a show coming up May 30th at the Punchline. And Will came in with his wife, Debbie. I thought they were delightful. Really great couple. Um, lots of jokes. Lots of fun to talk to about what it was like back in the 70s and 80s and 90s as the comedy scene in San Francisco was really taking off. That's how they met and got their start. Yeah, and I like it, too. They're very funny, but you'll notice, too, they really love San Francisco. And I've actually got a clip here. Here's Will Durst talking about that love for the city that he's stayed in almost his entire career. We live in the sunset, you know, and, oh, how can you live in the sunset with all the fog? We would come, a Saturday show, you would get done, you know, doing two shows on a Saturday. This was back when they started at 9 and 11. You wouldn't, you wouldn't get out of the bar until 3 in the morning. So you come home at 4 and you sleep till noon, and that fog, this cool gray blanket of anonymity, it was just, it's, it's perfect. I, yeah. Uh, yeah. And the views. How many times have you just been doing a errand and you crest a hill and, oh, you know, <laughs> yeah. Steven Spielberg moment, yeah. you know? So Will Durst, Debbie Durst, and I want to put in a plug before we get to the podcast for your show, because it's been great lately, on San Francisco. Thanks. Yeah, I started my own podcast Um interviewed all four candidates for mayor in the June 5th election, as well as some other celebrities in the city. And my most recent one was Mayor Mark Farrell. I try to get in lightning round questions and quiz him on their favorite movie set, set in San Francisco, their favorite burrito in San Francisco, and, and some other fun stuff. Burrito's been controversial, so <laughs> check out Heather's podcast. Two of our four mayoral candidates could not name their favorite burrito joint, which was it's fantastic. It's still a disappointment. Yeah, so on San Francisco, check it out. I'm Peter Hartlob, and this is The Big Event. Woo! Yeah, woo! Welcome to The Big Event. Will Durst, Debbie Durst. Hey. It is The Big Event. It is a big event. Yeah. It says so right there. Yeah. It says it. You, <laughs> On you the saw board. our sign. Uh, On yeah, the board. Yeah, yeah. I know. Somebody actually had to go and get the box of letters. That's and, Peter. He gets those letters. Oh, really? Oh. See, here's you do do it all, don't you? I, I, this is what I figure. I figure if people walk in and they see that, they know I put in some effort. Like I put in effort <laughs> to find the W, and the, and then we were right. running. We were running out of uh, eyes. D's. Oh, D's. Debbie Durst and Will Durst. I right. had a little D crisis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, for people who are listening, it's a big kind of like velvet lunch lady board from right. the seventies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With, I, with the individual letters that you individual have to put letters. Up. Uh, I, two I, different sizes too. I actually do. The Pacifica Spindrift has a big uh, board like this at the bottom of the driveway, and I uh, they let me change the letters now for the different shows because I can do it very fast. And during the last one, uh, there was a bit of a crisis. We ate Midsummer's Night's Dream. So many M's. And it was kind of, so I just took the W's. And you turned them upside down. <laughs> and it looks a little funky, but it's okay. I've had to turn or the, the threes. Threes. Threes into e's. e's. Yeah. yeah. I've turned N's upside down or U's upside down to make an N. Okay. My biggest crisis is with, is with the N's. But uh, uh, 
Yeah. So wow. welcome. It, it's like a long time no see, Will. Here with, with, <laughs> Heather, with Heather Knight. Too. Last time we saw you was in your car. Yes. Yes. And you guys sat in that, that crappy back seat of mine. Oh, no. It was, yeah. We were yeah. so grateful for yeah. that back seat, Will. You don't know. We were. And for super... your speed. We both commented on it. Uh-huh. You could have been a cabbie in New York City. Yeah. See, he learned how to drive from me. Oh, wow. Yeah. You need to take I, us for a ride. Nellie Durst, yeah. she was known as. I, I like watching NASCAR, and you can tell. <laughs> so let's set it up. We were uh, Heather and I rode every Muni bus line in one day. That was so exciting was, to read. It's going to be in our obituary in the top five <laughs> um, There's no doubt. And we wanted, uh, Heather and I, were we wanted celebrity drivers, right? Yeah, there were a couple of long bus routes that would have slowed our day down even more than the 18 hours it took. So we solicited you, Will, and Art Agnos as our two I celebrity drivers, yeah. which shortened the ride and made it a lot more fun. Yeah. And you were, you were, you and Art Agnos, I mean, we had a real science to it because we wanted two people who were not currently involved in a political campaign oh, right, or that it, right. that it wouldn't be like someone coming and, and doing an ad for something. And but, then demanding, you know, you, you <laughs> yeah. had him drive, yes. so I I'm so-and-so, and I approve this ride. <laughs> yes. So that's what, we were, that's what we were thinking, and we were thinking, like, we even thought, like, Gavin Newsom, but it's like, no, then you got to have equal time. Right, right, right. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. has got to give us a ride somewhere. <laughs> right. So anyway, we're super grateful, and I wanted to have you on afterward, um, and uh, this is like comedy history here with Will and Debbie. I saw you guys. Um, I think I told you this. It was '88 or '89. I was underage, and the place I could get in was Cobb's. And you were the MC, Debbie. Oh wow! And introduced Will, and um, I just remember it. You know, because there was no Daily Show, so political comedy to me. And I, I Mort Saul had already kind of run his cycle, so I didn't know what was going on. I loved it, but I didn't know what was going on. So I, I'd love to just get a little bit of comedy history from you guys, and then you're back at the Punchline, Will, correct? I am. My uh, yearly sojourn. The Punchline <laughs> is my home club. I mean, It's, it's our first... home club. That's where we met. Really? Kind yeah. of, technically. Can we start with that story? Um, <sighs> Long ago in a galaxy far, far <laughs> she away. Was, she was in a group yeah. called Spaghetti Jam, yeah. uh-huh. which appeared at Spaghetti Factory mm-hmm. in North Beach. But they were retrofitting the room. That's right. So they had to go out on the road. And they hosted uh, open mic night at the Punchline. Yes, the group, Spaghetti yes. Jam. And Debbie was there. The Punchline was just starting as a comedy club at the time. Well, it was a couple years old. Yeah, well, it was it was formerly known as kind of like the back room of the old Waldorf. It was the dressing room of the old Waldorf. The dressing Waldorf. room, because you could kind of walk through the bathrooms. Uh-huh where the the bathrooms are in the punchline now, that back wall was open. And if you were clever enough, you could kind of just walk right through and you'd be in the old Waldorf, which is where we used to see Metallica before they were Metallica. Because they used to have Metal Mondays was kind of their open mic night. So you could just kind of walk through and say, well, what's playing tonight? (laughs) And I was kind of new on the scene and... uh... Uh, I was I had a bit called death insurance where mm. I would smoke an entire pack of cigarettes at a time. You love your family, don't you? Sure, you. That's why you buy insurance. Well, sometimes uh, I make my loved ones smile. I'll smoke an entire pack at a time because they know I'm working their best behest. Yeah. And so I would light an entire pull out the not the, just a pack of cigarettes, Marlboro Reds. Marlboro Reds <laughs> because it had the hard pack and you could pull out the tin foil and stick the whole pack. And then I would light it with my Zippo. 
and then it would hack and spit, and I had flash paper in the ashtray, so... <laughs> and they're dangerous, too. And, but I, of course, it had to be the final bit, because I couldn't breathe. So I would walk out <laughs> into the audience with an ashtray full of saliva, dripped cigarettes, and I would offer, and they would all recoil, you know, of course, except for her. <laughs> I was going to say, she, she grabbed, you found that attractive? She, she yeah. grabbed one, yeah. and then she smoked, and the way she held it, I knew she didn't smoke cigarettes, because yeah, yeah. she smoked it like a joint, you know, with the, <laughs> with the two yeah. fingers or the German way, you know, uh, the German Nazi way that we become. become yeah. Uh, yeah, Eric von Stroheim. Exactly. Yeah. And I thought that was so cool, and then I just followed them around like a little puppy. Yeah, I just thought, that, wow, he's kind of clever. He's not doing, hey, aren't women different from men, and isn't this funny and he just did humor that gave me the impression he actually read books which was unusual at the time <laughs> i just read the cliff yeah, notes guy doing comedy <laughs> so were you dating right away or did you have to court her for a long uh, then time then i was living at a place called the cable car hotel which is on the corner of hyde and california, uh, california. Yeah. kitty corner from the Foods, which is now uh trader joe's and there was a club underneath called Chez Jacques. Wasn't that Chez Jacques? Chez Jacques, I believe. And they were appearing there. So oh, yeah. we went everywhere. I brought them upstairs. They did a they did two sh- uh, two shows or two sets. So in between sets, everybody came upstairs to my little room. It was an SRO, you know, with a bathroom down the hall. Uh, although I could pee in the sink, but you weren't supposed to tell people that. Uh, <laughs> but I brought pe- brought the whole group up, and uh, we kind of bonded up yeah, there we and hung made out. a date. Yeah. Yeah. Then we started going out, and then uh, it was very romantic, the, the proposal, so romantic. <laughs> we used to go, and we really missed this place, Liverpool, Liverpool Lills. Oh, I love Liverpool Because Lills. they had brunch until 2 p.m. No, 3.15. Oh, something yeah. like that. But, you so know, when you're a comedian, you don't get up early on no. Sunday. And breakfast, I, we stopped serving that hours ago. So we went to Liverpool Lives, Lil's, and we were sitting outside at a little table. And he just kind of turned to me and said, so do you want to get married? And I said, could you pass me the salt? <laughs> that was that was the big romantic. Yeah, yeah that was yeah. the big romantic proposal. Pass the salt, yeah, pass the salt. So we decided to get married. But we were going to run away to Las Vegas because my sister was getting married. Same uh, year. The same year. Wouldn't have been fair to her dad. Yeah. My mother was weddings. already in the, like, the mother of the bride frenzy, and I thought, oh, heck no. I can't do that. Mm-mm. And, you know, a wedding that. is just a woman's, you know, taste of show business. And <laughs> yeah. she and I had already <laughs> been we're, used to yeah, being it's on like stage. His family was in the Midwest. My family was here. It's like, let's just go get married, and then we'll have parties later. <laughs> That's what we did. We, we had a benefit for ourselves, and it was called the benefit for Will and Debbie's wedding. And we took the money, paid for the rings, and went Steve to Vegas. Steve Pearl, Dr. Gonzo, all the big-time guys Michael Pritchard, yeah, yeah, all those guys. What? I, I'm sorry. I mean, I'm sure you get asked this all the time, but but those years, did it kind of sneak up on you? Was it great all of a sudden? Or, or do we just think it was great in the 80s because that's what everybody tells us? Well, it's always, you know, the blush of youth, you know, where you're <laughs> learning. And, and uh, we were very lucky at the time because we caught the crest right. of the comedy wave. You know, it started out when we started out until like 83 or 84. But I moved here in 79. And for those first three or four years, the only people who were in comedy 
were outcasts and misfits and you know hexagonal pegs that didn't fit into square holes and and I mean because there was no money no there was no one no one was paying none, nobody and so comic people just had to do it and you needed that stage time so you had this and everybody had to have day jobs and then in 1983 there might have been 40 full-time comedy clubs in America including two or three in San Francisco, two or three in L.A. So in 1993, there were 440 comedy wow. clubs because cable had discovered comedy. Right. They realized they didn't have to pay music fees or writers. That comics were self-contained. And there was a pool of talent. And that's why A&E went crazy. Remember, A&E was the comedy and Nazi channel for a long time. Right, right. You know, and then it was all Bud Friedman you just or paid Hitler. everybody a certain amount of money because nobody really belonged to a union back then. You know, you 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 were not part of AFTRA or you know because AGVA, uh, AGVA or whatever. So they would have you sign oh, the, the thing television. that said in perpetuity throughout the universe. Yeah. And they paid you once, and then they could show it on Mars for yeah, the rest the, of your life. If the Jupiterians turn out to be comedy <laughs> fans, you yeah. don't get any more money. Right. So they were making a ton of money just selling it to everywhere. But we didn't care. It was Yeah. You know, it was exposure, for yeah. one thing, which is what you needed to break out of the pack. And you could put it on and your And it was experience. When, when did you realize, was there a moment where you realized that it was turning from that, um, you know, Nobody's getting paid. Everybody's got to get stage time. Nobody's looking to make it big. To oh my god, there might be something here that's bigger than than we thought. Well, I, I'll say Robin. Robin was like the very first uh, indication that there could be money to be made because he was the success story. He had he, the machete. Yeah, he was. He, he was Harry Potter. Jungle. He was yeah. the boy who went to Hollywood and lived. Yeah. <laughs> so it, after a while, it became in the late '80s, early '90s. Everybody was going to go to L.A. and have a show about themselves. And we have a friend, Jake Johansson, who went to L.A. They wanted to do, do a show about him, and then he got turned down because he wasn't Jake Johansson or enough no. like himself <laughs> wow. to be in the show. <laughs> he so. didn't make the audition for the Jake <laughs> Johansson show. <laughs> yeah, which was kind of strange. Yeah. But uh, Robin was the first indication that you could go to L.A. And, and, and she make worked it with Robin in San Francisco before he got Happy Days, before yeah. he got Mork and Mindy. He used to come and hang out with the comedy. On, so uh, the, she knew, she knew him when he was jam. the funniest guy in the room, not the funniest guy on the planet. Yeah. So he what was, year did you meet him, Debbie? Oh, Lord. Uh, 1976, 77. Wow. Uh, I was just starting to hang out with Spaghetti Jam then, and he would always come down and, and do improv <clears throat> with us. And uh, I did this little kid voice, and he did a little kid voice. And the director of Spaghetti Jam at the time, John Elk, said, I got to get the two of you together because you, you just, you know, that would be so great. And so one night, Robin came to, and we were performing at the Savoy Tivoli that night for no apparent reason. So uh, he said, okay, this is Robin. Robin, this is Debbie. He just, and he grabbed us both by the hands and took us out in the middle of the stage for the scene. He said, all right, kids, behave yourselves. Mom and I will be back in a few hours. And that's all he said. And then we just went off. <laughs> and I said, okay. It was kind of like jumping into a pool with a shark in it. <laughs> 
and I was able to keep up, and I was just so happy. Wow. <laughs> and, it was, and it was really, it was so exciting to, to be able to do that. Because she was just, everybody said, if you can do improv with Robin, you can do anything. Yeah. And he was getting ready to go down to film the, his guest spot on Happy Days at the time. So I thought, okay, I, at least I get to work with him before he goes away, and we never see him again. <laughs> out of that is what Mark came out of that, yeah. out of his guest spot. And, and Robin, Robin one time called her the funniest woman he ever worked with. Wow, what a compliment. I know, it was very cool. <laughs> <laughs> but besides Robin being the first indication where all the people kind of figured, okay, comedy's going to be big, then you had people from A&E and it was the Comedy Channel or something, they would come to San Francisco and say, all right, we're going to have auditions at the Punchline or we're going to have auditions at Cobbs or whatever. And people would, oh, well, now they're coming here to see people for television. I, I would think, too, though, Will, that your political humor probably wasn't what they were looking for for the next Mork and Mindy show. Um, did you... you, you it was a double-edged double sword. It was... Because uh, it set me apart because nobody was doing political comedy. There was like eight of us in the entire country. And now there's like 20. And seven are, are you know, of the same that were the original ones. You know, uh, Jimmy Tingle, Barry Crimmins just died, mm-hmm. uh, a very important voice. Uh, but Jimmy Tingle and and Randy Credico and and Jim Barry Morrison Weintraub. with his uh, his Jim Reagan Morris. hair. Jim Morris. Jim Morris. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. As opposed to Jim Morrison, Morrison. Yeah. who died missing. in France. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, no, nobody won. The the shows didn't want it. The talk shows didn't want it because uh, the host did the topical stuff up front, and he had seen those jokes three times before he, you know spoke them aloud to the nation. I mean, he, he, there's the initial, you know, no, no, uh, yes, yes, no, no, and then work on these, and then again, no, no, yes, yes, and, and then they're in the teleprompter, the third time he's read that joke. So they didn't want comics who had, and also they had research, you know, well, we don't want to, you know, p- uh, tick off anybody, you know, so, so yeah, there wasn't a lot of And there's also... Uh, it wasn't the greased shoot to the big No, yeah. and all of his material is timely, so they couldn't film it or tape it and then show it later right. because right. it would be old news. And yet you didn't change. Um, w- was there a temptation at any point to, oh, I'll tell jokes about sex and drugs and whatever else might have been playing? Yeah, yeah. I, I w- I, for when I did clubs, I would always start out with the generic material and then phase into the political stuff because... I found that a lot of times uh, the political stuff would turn off an audience that didn't know who I was in the beginning. Yeah. So I would start out with generic stuff. And uh, that was one of the problems on the Letterman thing was because uh, I did Letterman once and the guy who hired me was not Letterman, of course, it's the producer. And he claimed that uh, I didn't preview what I did on the show for him the night before. Which he was wrong. He wasn't paying any attention to me. He was hitting on the waitress. He was interested in two things, and they were both called blow at the time. <laughs> so um, uh, he didn't pay any attention. So I did the set, and he said, uh, what did you do? I said, well, that's what I did last night. And he said, no, you didn't. So they wanted the generic stuff, and I'm a political comic. you know. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I, I w- was over my skis on that one, I guess. 
I um, was looking in the clips we have about you and saw that you actually ran for mayor in 1987. Yeah. <laughs> was that more of a comedic stunt, or were you really yes. trying to be mayor? Yes, okay. it was a comedic stunt. Oh, not for me. <laughs> <laughs> I I wanted to be the first lady of San Francisco. <laughs> I where uh, the Recreation and Parks Department had that little house right there uh-huh. at the very end of the panhandle. The beginning is standing in there. McLaren House? And the McLaren, McLaren Lodge. Lodge. Yeah. yeah. I was going to take that over, and that was going to be our, our mansion. Yeah. <laughs> our Gracie mansion? Our, yes, that was going to be our... our <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and then that the tree mayor. was like, we will decorate it for Christmas. This will be our tree. And, yeah. <laughs> Dang it. What would you have done as mayor if you'd won? Oh, I had, uh, I had, had uh, ideas, yeah. yeah. Uh, one was uh, we were going to turn uh, Treasure Island into a casino, and all I wanted was the ferry boat. Concession, <laughs> yeah. you know, a uh, couple other ideas. Well, we were going to put restaurants and stuff on Alcatraz, so so we could actually make money. <laughs> Divide up the prison. I think we were going to. Yeah, yeah, but that's federal land. So. Yeah, but Treasure uh, Island still. At but, the time, so. we had dreams. Yeah. And then you? we wanted to buy the the old uh, airplane house, the Jefferson Airplane House. Not as mayor. Oh, yeah. Not, yeah. As mayor. Not as mayor. But, but we were going to buy it and then turn it into like a comedy comedian hostel. <laughs> For comics who came, yeah, you know, yeah. through that's the a good idea. I like this area. platform. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can go with that. Who, who, did, who beat you? What year was that? Was that? Um, I got two uh, percent uh, of the vote. Is that Agnes? And, and the three guys who beat me out were Agnos, Boaz, and Molinari. Uh-huh. And Agnos won, and they each spent a million dollars apiece, and I spent fifteen hundred dollars. Mm. So on a dollar per vote basis, yeah, I am it. mayor. Yeah. I just wanted it for the pension. You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think that's what Farrell's doing. I think he just wants the pension. You know? Who are you going to vote yeah. for in a couple of weeks? Um, Mark Leno has always been a friend of Comedy Day. When other mayors wouldn't show up, Leno always showed up. And uh, he kind of you know, built himself close to my heart because of that. Just uh, He was a friend of comedy. Yeah. And, you know, Willie was great for comedy. Willie would always come out. Willie would throw out the first F-bomb. You yeah. know, I mean, Willie would come out you know, as when he was mayor, and he would open up Comedy Day with the first joke, and he would drop the first F-bomb. And we're, <laughs> I'm back there trying to convince the other comics, you know, don't be dirty. It's don't a clean be dirty. show. It's, it's daytime. There's it's families out there. There's and kids. Get, and, yes. and, and then Willie drops the first <laughs> F-bomb. Yeah. It's like, well, okay, now what? But then uh, after Willie, Gavin would never come out. Gavin came out a couple of times. A couple times? Yeah, he did. He, he, whenever he wasn't busy or he wasn't, you know, he would come in and go, okay, I got 15 minutes. Like, okay, great. Thanks for coming. But Ed Lee what never came out. No. Poor Ed, no. But Leno would come out when, when Ed uh, didn't no, Len, out. Leno has been at every single comedy day, I would say, for the past 10 or 15 years. Wow. And he would always bring, when he was a senator, <laughs> this huge proclamation. proclamation in this frame that's bigger than our house. <laughs> and and we'd let him go up on stage, and he would present the proclamation and the whole thing. And he's just always been really accessible. Mm-hmm. I call him up and so say, hey, this is the date for Comedy Day. And he would say, I, n- no matter what he's doing, I'll be there. Yeah. And he comes and he hangs out for most of the afternoon yeah. and he actually stays. I mean, most people, okay, you're busy. You're in the government. I understand. Thanks for showing up. We'll get you on stage. We'll get you off. You can go about your day. But he'll actually come and hang out 
and watch the show. See, I'm feeling good about this because Heather interviewed all of the mayoral candidates, and he was one of the two who couldn't name his favorite burrito joint. Is that correct? Yeah, I have. <laughs> so my own... I'm liking the the authenticity <laughs> yeah. here. I have my own podcast called On San Francisco. There's a plug, um, and ah, did oh. interviews with all the major four candidates running for mayor. And, and there he... was a lightning round at the end where I just asked really random, off the wall questions. Did you ask burgers? Expecting. Burritos. He couldn't come up with his favorite burrito spot. He did have the location. He was though. like, I think it's around. He didn't know the name. Jane Kim couldn't <sighs> even say anything about it. I mean, or favorite movie. It was like, I think, no. I think she's like afraid to. I asked what was their favorite movie a, filmed in San Francisco, and she totally froze. I, she'd have to ask her advisors. Yeah. He, <laughs> you he can't can, go out in public and just say stuff. You know, you're not a private citizen anymore. You're running for public office. What was his favorite San Francisco movie? He kept telling me, I don't like these superlatives, but he came up with Vertigo. That's oh, a good choice. Wow. Yeah. That's a great choice. Focus group. So you, you, yeah. They might come out with Vertigo. <laughs> Very And overrated. he did, in his defense, the burrito joint, he gave us the location. Where was it? He, he could picture it. He just couldn't name he it. He knew where it was. Now I forget, but I don't yeah. know. It yeah. was it was in the I think uh, in the twenty twenty fourth Street Mission area. Well, well, that narrows it down. <laughs> I, he had a he had a cross street. I, I could see that happening. There, there are things people could. I don't ask know the me. name of mine. But yeah. it's, it's we know 20, how to get to many it, places. We don't know the names. Yeah. yeah, or if people tell, ask me, what's your favorite, you know, Radiohead song? I don't know the name of it. It's track six or seven on yeah. Yeah. You know, Hail to the Thief. I don't know. So right. I was a little sympathetic with him with that. It's the one the CD automatically goes to because I don't play anything else. <laughs> <laughs> then when I interviewed Mark Farrell... He immediately came up with The Rock, which was an interesting choice for favorite movie. Wow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Debbie, you're the only one who hasn't plugged anything. I feel bad. We've all... <laughs> ah, see, because I... Day. I'm so shameless. Uh, comedy Day, the 38th annual Comedy Day, September 16th, Sunday, September 16th. 38th? 38th annual. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And you have a behind-the-scenes role now, correct? Uh, that is correct. Sure. Uh, actually, Will and I are the only people who have done all 38. And I say done because I go on stage as the host and sucker MC of the day. And uh, it's 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 kind of nice. It's free laughter. I, how it's many one of the things? last free One of the things, last free yeah. things in San Francisco. And I'm very happy and proud to say that it will be presented in the uh, the newly named Robin Williams Meadow. That's nice. great. Formerly Sharon Meadow. So when Robin passed away, I said, good God almighty. He was such a friend to Comedy Day and, and a personal friend. I thought, we have to do something. There's They did they did the, uh, the rainbow tunnel thing, and there's nothing in San Francisco. Yeah. And this is where he lived, and this is the town that he loved, and he loved Comedy Day. And I thought, well... Let's start doing some research on Sharon Meadow. And it, they actually called it Sharon Meadow because it's close to the Sharon Arts Building. It's not, it was not named Sharon Meadow. So it wasn't a renaming. It, it was, was a just, christening. Yeah, it was a naming. So we had to do research and figure out who William Sharon was. And he had nobody that was left alive that could say, hey, you can't change the name of the meadow. Because it had never been, you know, named. It was not official. And she yeah. did... All that herself. So, wow. Got it through the city council. Yeah. Yeah. That is quite a feat. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. If I do nothing else, I got that. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. can tell you love San Francisco still. Tell me I'm wrong. No, it's this is where I was born, and there's so few natives left that I 
you know, I'm not happy with what's going on, but I, you know, my parents weren't happy when the pyramid went up either yeah. <laughs> or, or the Hyatt. What did they got this thing? My, my father was a sheet metal worker and he actually worked on the, the Hyatt Regency, which was like the big new hotel downtown. Is like, you got to see on top, they got this restaurant that goes all the way around. That's kind of stupid. <laughs> and, and you know, it's every everybody says new things are bad, and some of them are good. But secretly, deep down, I'm waiting for the next big earthquake so everybody leaves. Mm. Yeah, I can't and, stay here. Yeah. I'm going back to my home in Tornado Alley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just there's just a lot of building going on. And there's not a lot of open space left. And they keep taking away our parking spots. Yeah, our parking spots are disappearing, you know. And if you're old like me and you have no knees and you're prone to falling down, you're not going to be, oh, I'm going to jump on a bicycle and go everywhere. You're not scooting everywhere now? Uh, no. No, no. I Great I, shadow I, Willie in no. the paper. That, <laughs> that Sunday, was. Yeah, yeah, look, there's a scooter, Willie. Get on. Just get on. <laughs> we'll take a picture. <laughs> but, you know, if, if I was a young kid, sure, I'd jump on a scooter. I'd ride my bike. I'd, you know, and I've been on a bike, so I know when I'm driving there's bikes around, but there are a lot of people that just don't pay attention anymore. It's a lot of self-entitlement all the way around. I'm on my bike. I mean, I ride my bike, and I ride from uh, Alameda, take the ferry, bike in, and... He's from the tropical island. Yeah. Yes. So it takes you like 14 hours to get to work. But it's all, <laughs> it's all it would take you the same amount of time if you drove. <laughs> but the scooters, I'm more worried because they don't have helmets. No. And they're driving around like someone's going to get hurt, like soon. People have no, gotten no, hurt. No, no, no. We yeah. were We were no. eating in a restaurant and... Uh, some guy had seen some guy somebody, had seen on somebody on lying on the ground with bone exposed, oh, broken, and they yeah. broken was riding a scooter pell mell, tried to make it through 19th and Lincoln, the light, <laughs> yeah. and fell and broke his leg. So yeah. you know, but that's and that doesn't include hitting your head on a curb, right? Yeah. You know, without the helmet, I don't understand how they just throw scooters on the sidewalks and get away with it. You know, here use these or don't. Our, yeah, you know, the city has no idea what's going on. Yeah. yeah, it'll cost me a dollar to get over there in in like five minutes. If I walk, it'll take ten. <laughs> I, I think I'll take the scooter. Yeah, everybody talks about the change in San Francisco. Every this town has been changed. This town is the petri dish of change. You know, we throw the stuff up against the wall and see what sticks. Yeah. Now we end up with messy walls, but <laughs> this this town is. You know, we're people who come here are forward thinking. You come here on purpose. Right. It's always been a, a magnet for you it's know kind the of like disenfranchised. Disneyland. Yeah. Because we've traveled around the world and you know, people don't have a high opinion of Americans to begin with. But you say you're you from say San you're Francisco. from San Francisco and they go, Oh well, that's different. Yeah. Why didn't you say? Because it's not like being part of the United States. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's such a tiny place, and it's so metropolitan, and there are people from everywhere, you know, all walks of life, and every size, shape, color, and probably Martians and stuff walking around. And we don't care. This is where you can go. And, and that's why Robin loved living here, because he could just walk out and go to the store and do groceries, and people would leave him alone. Mm. I remember seeing him at the Steinhardt Aquarium once, and he had a black T-shirt with a little stick figure head with a 
black eye on it and it just said don't ask <laughs> and everybody left him alone he's with his kids <laughs> at the aquarium and that's so cool i think people would have left him alone anyway everybody has but, a robin story yeah. yeah um how close have you come to leaving has it ever has has, has there ever been a point where either you felt like you had to or wanted to or i was i was offered a job in new york to do uh, morning news for some Fox thing. And it was about 20, 25 years ago, 92 or something. And I, nah, I, didn't, I didn't go. I've, I've, I moved to L.A. for three months at a time. I moved to New York for five or six months, whatever that was, but only because I had a show there. Yeah. But I, I, there's something about this town, the food, the view. The climate, not just the physical climate, but it, also. it's it's the vibe. I mean, yeah. You go to other towns, and you like the vibe there, but it's like, well, I, I don't think I could live here. I don't think I could do the day to day here. Not only that, but it's nice living in a place where you know it's going to be a steady fifty six to seventy two degrees. <laughs> oh, I love that all year round. I come from the Midwest, one hundred ten yeah. in the summer, negative twenty in the nice. winter. Yeah, yeah. I Fog. love sport coat weather. Yeah, there was always opportunities and everything. I was like, mm, yeah, no. And we live in the sunset, you know. And oh, how can you live in the sunset with all the fog? We would come a Saturday show. You would get done. You know, doing two shows on a Saturday. This was back when they started at nine and eleven. You wouldn't, you wouldn't get out of the bar until three in the morning. So you come home at four and you sleep till noon, and that fog, this cool gray blanket of anonymity, it was just—it's—it's it's perfect. I, yeah. Uh, yeah. And the views. How many times have you just been doing a errand and you crest a hill and oh you know, <laughs> steven spielberg moment, yeah you know and yeah and they the, use the golden the, gate bridge in all the, the films this is ours this is so every time we we uh you there's that crest that you come down clipper yeah right at the top mm. of the hill up there and you can uh. see the entire city every time i drive i go mine it's mine <laughs> which all, part all of it <laughs> <laughs> so what about the comedy though is that still good? It's I, I see your name everywhere now. You had your one man show, and and I see, you know, a lot of gigs going on. But you, you tell me. I mean, is it still? I think comics are like uh, blues performers. I think we get better over time because uh, we learn so many tricks, and we have such a such a heavier, you know, storehouse, a warehouse of. Uh, you know, nothing phases us anymore because you've been on stage so many times. It's Gladwell's, you know, 10,000 hours, you know. Mm -hmm. Finally, you get halfway decent at something. And uh, and for me, you know, because uh, I, I do radio commentaries and a column every week, and it forces me because I, I need that deadline. I'm still in high school. Yeah. If it's due Monday morning, I don't start it till after the Sullivan show. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. Bonanza was later. 60 minutes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Plus, when, when you've been in such a, a, a place for such a long time, all the young comedians will go up and say, hey, Grandpa Durst, tell us what's, you know, what's the deal? What's going on? And San Francisco has always been such a, uh, like a, I call it the cradle of civilization for, for comedy. It's an incubator. It's a great when people would always come here and you could get your stage feet. You could work on your act. You could there's Smart not people. a sense uh, there's a sense of family instead of competition. Mm -hmm. uh, that if you went to LA we don't have the money. Yeah, we don't have LA know. is where the cameras are plugged in. Uh New York is very competitive where 
you don't get to know very many people because you do 20 minutes at one place and you got to catch a train to get to the next club to do your next 20 minutes. So you don't get to hang out or talk to anyone. Mm-hmm. And then New York doesn't talk to anybody from Boston and vice versa. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's all split. But you come here, it's like, hey, so you're new in town. What do you do? Where have you worked? You got to go check out this club. They've got open mics right. here. We got, you know, or we're going to go hang out over here at the showcase at the punchline and just come and, and you know, and meet everybody the guy shares who's information. It. They, don't, they yeah. don't, you know, covet it. So punchline May thirtieth to yeah here June. I get it right here I can look He's I'm gonna, setting you up Will we we have the technology <laughs> meanwhile let me tell you about the show I'm going to direct oh what are you directing uh, I am directing uh, Sinclair Lewis's <laughs> it can't happen here uh, which is uh, a book that he wrote in 1935 about a crazy guy who is going to run for president and everybody says, oh, it'll never work. And then he wins. That sounds and then, familiar. Yeah, oh my God. horrible things happen. You wouldn't believe the parallels. Yeah, in 1935 he wrote this. He wrote this. But this was, Trump. you know, pre-Hitler. And I mean, the guy's got so. a goofy name. His name is Buzz. And, Buzz, yeah. B- Brazilius Windrip. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's the name of the candidate. And oh, he becomes but, president. Yeah. But uh, Tony Tacconi and Bennett Cohen took the book and wrote a script and Berkeley Rep did it. Uh, last year, the year before, and, now and a lot of I thought, oh man, because I'd read the book, loved the book, and I said, this is so perfect for right now. And then I found out Berkeley Rep did it. I said, okay, great. Now there's a script. Yeah. So yeah, there's two script services that own everything. So, so when is it? Uh, it opens October nineteenth, closes November fourth, which is two days before the general election. Uh-huh. At uh, the Pacifica Spindrift it's Theater. It's not even June yet. What are you talking about this? We've already had auditions. I got a gig. We're I have a about cast. My gig. My gig. <laughs> From She's May way 30th through June 2nd. Se- yeah, yeah. yeah. May yeah. 30th through June 2nd at the Punchline. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, PunchlineComedyClub.com, whatever. WillDurst.com. Right. Yeah. And, and if you can't make it to the Punchline and you're up north that weekend, in Mendocino? In Mendocino. At the Mendocino yes, Film the Festival? The Bad Aunties, which is me, uh, Diane Amos, and Judy Nihe, uh are doing improv. We are- We'd want to watch three old dames on stage. <laughs> right, right. Uh, we're opening for the Gilda Radner documentary okay, now that's that they're weird. showing uh, Friday night up at the Mendocino Film Festival. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, who was it that said- that uh, bad architecture and politicians, you know, they all gain stature with age. Oh, in hookers, I think. <laughs> <laughs> they all they all get grace with age. Well, same thing with comedy. Yeah. You know, yeah. and we are the Ankeel and Akasha. That's right. For you, Anne Rice people. Yeah. Ankeel and Akasha, the oldest vampires ever. <laughs> the ones who must be kept. <laughs> and that's Debbie and me. Yeah. 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 Well, that is nice. I am uh, thrilled to have you guys here. Oh, for sure. Oh, this I is awesome. Thank you. We're honored. Sitting in a room full of old newspapers, and I'm <laughs> thinking to myself, where are they hiding the ones where the Giants won the World Series? What a oh, great we've got them right in the corner there. <laughs> yeah. <they're, laughs> one of them is literally hiding a dead cockroach. <laughs> <laughs> we had <laughs> Diane Feinstein in here, so they made me cover the cockroach. <laughs> but I think it would be bad luck to throw it away. No, so, no, 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 no. That yeah, dead yeah, yeah. cockroach is kind of like a... Right. So it's it's, it's part of the game. archives. Part of the archives. <laughs> so, and I want to thank you too, Will, for giving us that ride. Oh, for sure. I took you guys like five miles, you know. this. You no, knew no. exactly where to go. Peter thought we were going to need to 
the navigator, so I was like, I don't think so. I told Heather, I'm like, you're in charge of having your phone and letting Will know where we need to go. And it was no, like, no, no, no. It was like, and, and was I was like so proud of you. I was so proud of you guys because I said, oh, I'm in the southwest corner, right in front of the bus stop, and you found me. I didn't have to get out of my car and wave you down <laughs> or anything <laughs> on the corner of 24th and Potrero. You know, you found me because yeah. you, you can. It's nice when people can understand directions <laughs> where where you, you know? are. And, and those, we've lived here so long, and it's just a shame now that everybody knows all our shortcuts because yeah. yeah. you got to get around this yeah. town. Well, we were delusional about five hours later, so you caught us at a good time. Many He's magic awesome. parts of that night, but I uh, love my team. something you'll always have. We'll yeah. always have it, and, and the and city will have because of you. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Uh, that, that's so great that you would take that and go, "Hey, this looks like fun," yeah. <laughs> even though it could kill us. Let's do it. <laughs> well, thank you both, and um, thanks for coming. The big event. Thank you, Heather. Thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, and uh, comedy. We've gotten our plugs down we're going to plug you again in the intro and uh, right on. Cool, cool. this is all good Whatever. thank you very much well, thanks for, for having posterity. us <laughs> and for the record we didn't break anything <laughs> but it's all paper <laughs> <laughs> You are listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. Thank you to Will and Debbie Durst and Chronicle columnist Heather Knight. Executive producer is Fernando Diaz and our editor-in-chief is Audrey Cooper. Our music is The Tide Will Rise by the Sunset Shipwrecks off their album Community. Read our columns and subscribe to The Chronicle at www.sfchronicle.com. San Francisco Chronicle podcasts are on iTunes and other streaming services. Listen at www.sfchronicle.com slash podcasts with an S.